0: you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 15, and we're going to get started in a new series today entitled First. It's a message series about reprioritizing your life and getting it right. I'm excited about it. I thank God. I think this season that we're about to enter into can be one of the best seasons that Clover Hill has ever, ever, ever had. Before I do that, I want to just... I just want to appreciate you guys and thank you. I don't know, I said it last week, I think, in one or two of the services, but we had a record attendance at Christmas Eve. We had over 2,500 people come to one of our four services. So I just want you, you can like pity-patter clap or you can like clap. But you know what, I want you to high-five somebody beside you and I just want you to say we did it, man. We invited friends, we invited family members. And uh, the seed was sown, and, 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 and hearts were changed, and lives are being transformed. That's a group thing. It's a group effort. And then I wanted to give you a final number on the legacy offering. We, we always, tell, or at least the last several years, have taken December to receive an offering for an outside ministry, either local, uh, national, or international. And this year we have here's the let me just give it to you. We've received a hundred oh oh where it is, a hundred and seven thousand dollars. Come on, come on, that's better. A hundred and seven thousand dollars. And this is what I want you to do. I want, I want you this time to fist pump the person beside you and said, I couldn't have done it without you. We, we could not have helped kids in Honduras. We could not have planted a life-giving church on the north side of Richmond without your partnership. Thank you for being involved in what's going on for the kingdom. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Wow. What's next? I can't wait till next year. I already got a project in mind. And, uh, man, would it, wouldn't it be great? Why don't we just set a goal right now for $200,000? Some of you say yes, Pe- Miss Peggy. She's going to give a hundred grand of it right now, <laughs> in faith, right, Miss Peggy. So M- Matthew chapter four, new series. First, reprioritizing your life, and I've entitled this morning's message "Making Room." And uh, I-, I just want to, I want to, I- I've, I've used this parable quite a bit in the past, but it's such a powerful parable. It's the parable of the sower and the seed, or the farmer and the seed and and Jesus was you know he often used parables stories to illustrate spiritual truths and he would uh, he would articulate through that way and and he shared this story about a sower, a farmer that went out to, to throw seed. And, and he talked about the first seed that, that fell upon the path and the birds came and ate it up. And then another guy, went, a same guy went out and threw the seed on rocky places. And, and that sprang up quickly, but it, but, it, but it quickly withered because it didn't have any root. It didn't go down, it didn't go very far. And then another, another part of the seed fell on thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it all out. And it was unfruitful. And then the fourth seed felt not the fourth seed, same seed, same sower, different soil. The fourth soil produced a good fruit and and did some some great things. And and, and here he explains it later in the chapter, and he says the seed represents the word of God, the, the word, the plan of God, the purpose of God, the 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 the, the, de- the, the, the yeah, just the, it's just God's word. The seed, the the the, the sower represents the person. Who communicates our? Who shares our? Who illustrates the word of God? So it could be a pastor, it could be a, a small group leader, it could be a friend, it could be a family member. Anybody that lives out the gospel, anybody that shares God's love, anybody that reveals God's grace—they're sowers. They're going out and sowing. And the path or the the soil represents the hearts, where, where there's nothing wrong with the seed and the sower's good, but if the seed doesn't fall on good soil, it won't produce a good crop. But, but, but he does say that if the seed is received, it, if it is acted on, that the seed of God's word generates life and it creates faith. And it produces change, and it heals hurts, and it builds character, and it transforms circumstances, and it imparts joy, and it overcomes adversity, and God's word can defeat temptation and infuse hope. It releases power, and it cleanses mind. Here's what Jesus said. I'm going to get to the text in a minute. Here's what Jesus said. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has crossed over from death to life. That's the power of God's word. There is power. And purpose and protection and wisdom and destiny when you listen and receive and act on God's word. And so and so Jesus is teaching these principles, and the disciples say, Well, we don't fully understand it. And so he gives explanation to the seeds and the hearts or the soil of what's going on. So he says, Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And I want to I want you to. Put your place self in one of these three or four categories. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And I like to call this the callus or the cold heart. You remember the soil represents the heart. We had a we had a place in our in our backyard, especially when my older kids were smaller. They were always playing out in the backyard, and and we had one little spot, a gra- little little circle where it was the batter's box where they stood to play wiffle ball. It was where the goalie stood when they were playing soccer. It was when they ran around the bases and slid in the home base. And I never could get grass to grow in that spot. you know what I'm talking about, parents. You got kids. There was just this this bare spot. I would throw seed, I would every fall I would try to till it up and, and, and they would just continue to play on it. Some people's hearts are like that, where the seed it just cannot take root. And and I've asked myself, well why is that? Sometimes it's just arrogance or this idea of I don't need God, this self-dependent attitude that, this independent attitude where I can make it on on my own. Paul addressed that attitude in the book of Romans. This is what he said. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It doesn't make sense. It, why, would, why would you believe God's word? Why, here, to, to those that have not received it, who have a hard heart, whose soil is not right, the word of God, it's foolishness. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not gonna make a difference. But for those who are perishing, uh, to us, let me read it again, foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For us who have softer hearts, who have been able to receive it, it's, it works. It's changing us and transforming us. How many know God's word makes, it just makes us better at life. It makes life better. I, I am reading through the Bible for, for, I've tried now, this is probably my 30th year of trying to read through the Bible. And I, I don't like to admit this, but this is the first time I've made it into day 236. I'm like, that a boy, you are rolling. I usually get to Leviticus and just can't take anymore, and and skip over to the New Testament. I've never, I've read the Old Testament in peace. I've never read it all the way through, and I am rolling right now. And I'm so uh, you're not excited with me, but I'm like super excited that I'm 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 reading God's word, and I've been highlighting stuff, and and I use the Bible app, so it records it. But but. And let me read, sprout. This is how God's word works. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Look, look how it works relationally. Spouting off before listening to facts is both shameful and foolish. That's smart. I mean, it, it, it would do me better to hear Angie's heart, hear her feelings, hear her thoughts before I interject. How many know if you just inter? it causes a lot of problems. God's word works. Here, here's another verse. Uh, let me find one in Proverbs. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. That stuff, it just, it, just, it works relationally. It works financially. When you understand and practice and, and when you give and when you save and when you live, it just helps, it just helps life. And for those who are perishing, it's foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it makes sense. It matters. It's making a difference of, here's, here's what Paul goes on to say. For although they knew God, talking about those who are foolish, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, pointless, useless. Again, concerning God's word, it's pointless, it's, you to, it's futile, it's, it's useless, it's no good. And their foolish hearts were dark and their hearts got hard. Couldn't receive God's word. I, I think another thing that makes you hard is hurt or pain. And, and some of you are even here today and you say, if God's so good, why didn't he save my marriage? Why, didn't he, why did not he allow the abuse? Why did I lose my loved one? Why didn't he answer my prayers? And, and when we're not careful, that can, that can cause some bitterness and create some hardness. We're, we're the seed of God's word. Again, his purpose and his plan and his destiny for your life, it, it just bounces off. And, and here's what I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why the innocent suffer, but I do know it rains on the just and the unjust. I don't have all the answer. I don't. I don't know why God allows heartache and pain, but I do know His grace is sufficient and His strength is made perfect in our weakness. I don't know why some things turn out the way they do, but I do know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to fear any evil, for God is with me. His rod and His staff they comfort me. God never promised us an easy road, but He did promise He'd never leave us nor forsake us. I, I don't. I don't understand why. Why. Uh, uh, Things happen as they do. But I do know God gets blamed for a lot of stuff that's not His doing. You gotta remember, we live in a fallen world, and and sin causes pain, and hurt, and death, and sickness. We have a real enemy, the devil, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have a free will, and often, we do things, and then then we reap the consequences of those things, and we get mad at God. But I I do know, we can look at the example of Paul, who went through misfortune, and he was mistreated, and he was misrepresented, and he missed out on a lot of things, and he could've become resentful and bitter. But his words were, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. James said, count it all joy whenever you face trials of various kinds, because the testing of your faith is producing something in you. The writer of Hebrews said, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us fix our eyes on Jesus and run with perseverance and not give up. And when you're just about to give up, consider what Christ has done for you and hang on on Jesus. Name. I don't understand everything about life, but I knew know God is, is for us and not against us, that, that, he, that again, that he has a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. And if you allow your heart to become hard, you'll miss out. You'll miss out on all that he wants to do in you. Here's what the Old Testament writer said, and this is what my prayer is for you. If you're here today with a hard heart for whatever reason, that God will give you a new heart and he'll put a new spirit upon you And that he will remove from you a heart of stone, a hard, callous, hurt heart, and give you a heart of flesh that's moldable and pliable, where the seed can fall and produce something in your life. That's the callous or cold. Others, like the seed sown in rocky places, hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I call it the casual or the compromising heart. It's where, it's where God's word is sown, you know, in whatever way. Again, there's different means. Maybe you hear a song on the, ra- a worship song, or, or, or maybe you hear a lesson, or listen to a podcast, or hear a preacher, or, or, or being shared with from a friend, and emotions are stirred, and there's this idea, or this thought, there must be more. This isn't how life is supposed to be lived, and you surrender for a season, and, and it, I, I not all the time, but often it's to get out of a, a mess that, that a lot of times that you put yourself into. It's kind of like a, a, a bailout. You want to, and here's what I know. Many want a savior, but not a Lord. And I, I don't want you in this category. And so I'm just, I'm just describing it with the hope that if you're there, you're going to move out of it because it's not where God wants you to be. Many want a quick fix, but not a long-term relationship. And there's a difference there. Many many want the feelings, but not the commitment. Many many want the power, but they don't want to practice the disciplines. Many want the benefits, but they don't want to obey the commandments. Many want a free pass to heaven and an escape from their pain and their problems, but they don't want to forsake all to follow him. We, we love to, this, this compromising and casual heart. We love to quote, I know the plans you have for me, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. But what about the verse that says, I beat my body and make it a slave. So after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We love to say, my God's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And I thank God for that promise, and he will. But what about the verse that says, what shall it profit if I gain the whole world but lose my soul? What? what we love to say, well, ask it. It will be given to you, shaken down, pressed together, running over. What about the verse that says, if you love me, you'll obey me? You got to know this. There is a cost. There's a price of following Jesus. Disciplines must be developed. Sin has got to be forsaken. Self has got to be denied. Jesus has got to become Lord. We can't just receive him as Savior who blesses. We need to invite him into our lives as our Lord who leads. Here's what Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, you want to follow Jesus? You you, you want want to walk in his blessing and his favor and his grace? you got to deny yourself. It's not what I want, it's what he wants. It's not what I think, it's what he thinks. And take up your cross daily and follow me. Daily. It's not enough to do it monthly or yearly or even weekly. Every day, Monty, we wake up and say, God, today I've decided to pick up my cross and follow you. I've decided, Jesus, though none go with me, still I will follow. Lord, this morning I've decided the cross before me and the world behind me. I've decided with with the help of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to live for you and serve you today. Not me, but you, God. May I decrease and may you increase in my life. Here's the promise for those that are fully committed. For the eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are. Say that with me, will you? Fully committed to him. Fully committed to him. Here, here's the next. Groups to others. Seed fell among thorns. And they hear the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Let's pause and, and, and let me quit talking so fast so that you can really hopefully capture and catch this. The seed is thrown, but thorns grow up and, the, and and the and the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, make it an unfruitful so God's word wants to produce something in you God's word wants to generate life and produce hope and and create purpose and 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 help you live out your destiny. And, and God's word, sown into your life, wants to provide protection and it wants to give you power to overcome. It wants to give you power to live and be the kind of husband and the father and the worker and the, and the Christian and the person you're supposed to be. God's word is, it's like a two-edged sword. It's sharp. It's powerful. It's, it's able to do above and beyond what we ask, think, or imagine. But, the, but oftentimes, the cares of this world. We, we, we hear the word and we think about the word and we leave this place, but the cares that, well, how am I going to make my mortgage? And, and how am I going to do this? And, and my job might be on the, line. I don't know the worries of this life. How are my kids? How am I going to pay for college? What, how how are my kids? The deceitfulness of wealth. I got to I just got to If I work another hour, if I get another promotion, if I, if I just get the next raise, that'll take care of everything. And so this pursuit, let me just, take on another job because my ultimate problem is I need more money. The deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things, they come in and choke out the word. And and this, this is where I want to stay and just kind of camp for a moment. An overcrowded life can hinder God's Word from penetrating our hearts and experiencing the effectiveness of God's Word. Remember, there's power and blessing and destiny and purpose in God's Word, but it can be choked out by other stuff. It can be choked out, by, and God's not against you pursuing things, and God's not against you uh, doing well, and God's not against you being promoted. And, and I'm not saying that that's a sin by, by no means, but I am saying you can't allow that to overcrowd and to be like the thorns in the book of Mark that comes up and chokes out God's word in your life. He's for that, but he doesn't want to be after that. He, that's why John said, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. This morning, I I want us to make room. I don't want the cares of this world. I don't want the deceitful of wealth. I don't want the pursuit of other things to keep us from our best, to keep us from what God wants to do in our lives, to keep God's word from being effective and doing what he sent it to do. Our enemy often becomes our entanglement with lesser things. Listen, 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 listen. Oftentimes we think sin is our greatest adversary, and he is. But sometimes in our culture, our greatest, our greatest enemy, our greatest adversary is a desire for things that are not as important as the most important thing. The challenge in our world, in our culture, in our day, with all that's going on, with all the opportunities, with all the privileges, with all the social media, with all the activity, that we can allow it to crowd out what God wants to do and keep us from his best. That materialism becomes so important that God is shrunk down and everything else becomes less important than God. And again... There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the sower. The point is an overcrowded life can keep you from God's best, and you can miss out on all that he has for you. Let me give you some examples. You remember the the lady with the issue of blood? She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She'd spent all her money and given all she had to get well, and, and, and it was just like insult to injury. The more she paid, the worse she got. And she, and she knew Jesus was walking by, so, so maybe I can just get to him. But the crowds were pressing in all around him. And she couldn't even, I mean, legally, she wasn't even able to be in a crowd because of her situation, because of her sickness. Everywhere she went, she was supposed to yell unclean. But she knew Jesus was the only one that could heal her, or at least she'd heard he could. And, but the crowd, the, the overwhelmingness, how could she get to Jesus? And, 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 and that lady had to press through the crowd. She had, she had to push people aside. She had to clear a path. She had to make a way so she could get to Jesus. And, and she couldn't get his attention because everything was going around. So she just grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that healing immediately flowed out of his body. And that blood disease dried up. And, and she was well from that, that moment on. out of desperation, she pressed through the crowd. Uh, listen to me. I'm trying to illustrate something. I, I hope I'm not, again, taking a, a license with this story that, that's not... I think it's applicable. Sometimes we got to press through the crowd. Sometimes we, we have to, in a place of desperation, I'm not going to let the cares of this world... I'm not going to let the deceitfulness of wealth... I'm not going to let the pursuit of other things... Keep me from grabbing hold of the hem of Jesus's garments. The cares, the concerns, even the challenges of life want to overcrowd us and keep us from Jesus. We need to be like the lady. Jesus, I need you more than anything else. I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm going to, you remember Zacchaeus, that wee little man? Maybe you remember singing about him in, in kindergarten, in a uh, children's church. A wee little man was he. I don't remember it, but he climbed up a sycamore tree. Why? Because he wanted to see Jesus again. Why couldn't he see Jesus? One, he was short, and there was too there was too many crowds of people around him. There, there, it was like a parade. The Zacchaeus, little little bitty joker, couldn't couldn't see over. Couldn't couldn't get a picture of Jesus but he was desperate. Uh, He'd heard about people in a relationship with God. He'd heard about what Jesus had done in their life, but he'd never experienced it. So he climbed up in a tree so he could get a better look. He had to get above the crowd. He had to get above the busyness. He had to get above the hustle and the bustle so that he could see, so that he could see Jesus. So gee, sure enough, he gets the attention of the, of the savior of the world. And Jesus says, come on down, Zacchaeus. We're going to have dinner today. We're, we're going we're to spend some time today. You've heard about me, but now let me reveal myself to you. I'm afraid that we get so overcrowded, so caught up in stuff, so concerned about the temporal, we forget about the eternal, and we choke out the power of God's word. We need to be like Zacchaeus to come out of the crowd and rise above the stuff so we can see Jesus. What about the the paralyzed man. Remember, remember him he couldn't get to Jesus? Again, everything that I that I'm sharing today, it was all about Jesus wanted to heal. Jesus was in the he was in the vicinity to heal, but they had to take a step to get to Jesus. They had to press through the crowd. He couldn't walk, so four buddies got him and they're outside the house. The, the, crowds are packed in there. They're maxed out. They're they're overflowing. And, and so what do they do? You remember this story? They cut a hole in the roof and they lower him down. Again, what, what's that all about? Don't let the overcrowdedness of life, the busyness, the cares of this world keep you from the miracle that God wants to do. God wants to do something spiritual and significant and special in our lives. But we've got to be willing to cut out some space and cut out some time. If not, we're hindering him from what he wants to do. What, can I give you a few more? What about the innkeeper? When Mary and Joseph come, and what do they say? There's no room in the inn. They're, they miss out on the Son of God. They miss out on hosting the birth of our Savior because there's too much crowd. There's too much going on. There's too much activity. There, there's, too, there, there's too much stuff. I'm sorry, we're overcrowded. There's no room in the end. Listen to what the, the writer of Revelation says. Here I am. Jesus is speaking to you. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, but to hear his voice, you got to silence other voices. To hear his voice, you got to come out of the crowd. To hear his voice, you got to sometimes lay aside for a season, for a, for a period of time, the busyness and the, and the craziness of life. If you'll hear my voice and you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with that person and they'll eat with me. I mean, don't, is, is there room in your life for Jesus? Sometimes we get so crazy, so busy, there's no room for Jesus. There's no room for revival. There's no room for a pre- fresh touch from God's presence. It sounds good. It sounds like it would be beneficial, but I've got so other, many other things in my life, so many other opportunities is there room, listen, is there room in your life for Jesus? Are you like that seed that was thrown on the thorny place and the, and the thorns choke it out? Are the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things choking out the word of God and making it unfruitful? What, what a, you remember the, let me give you a few more. Remember the, the man, the, the official, the leader whose daughter had died? And he said, Jesus, if you'll come to my house, you can pray for it. Jesus gets to the house, and the house is full, overcrowded with people. He can't. He can't. And so what does he do? What does he do? You know what he does? He sends everybody out the room. He, he's got to get. He wants to get stuff out of your house. He wants to get death out of your house and depression out of your house and, and destruction out of your house. And he had to move everything out. And when everybody and everything left the house, he went to the to the little girl, and he Placed her hands on her and she raised her from the dead. What 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 are we missing out on? Because our house is overcrowded. Because our lives are overcrowded. Because we're so we're so we're so worried about the temple. We're missing out again on the eternal. We're we're so worried. We're so convinced that I just need another thing. I need another activity. This will fulfill me. This will satisfy me. When the reality is the greatest thing we need is more of Jesus. And the only way we can get more of Jesus is if we'll come out of the crowd and we'll spend time in his presence and we'll listen to his voice and we'll allow our hearts to be softened and open and pliable to his will and to his word. That's That's what this 21 days is all about. It's about setting a time aside for, for it's making room. The next 21 days is making room for a move of God, corporately and individually. It's saying, God, I'm going I'm to realign my schedule. I'm going re-prior- to reprioritize my activities. I'm going to make some space. I'm going to carve out some room where you can move and where you can speak. In yeah, and, and biblical fasting, we're, 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 we're gonna, I'm asking you to fast. And, and hopefully you've been praying about it and thinking about it. And fasting is one of the most misunderstood, least practiced disciplines of the Christian walk. But it's very, it, it, it's very, uh, it's, in Scripture, it's very clear that we're supposed to be doing it. Biblical fasting is voluntarily abstaining from food for a period of time, either partially or completely for a spiritual purpose. I, I, Matthew 6 says, when you pray, when you give. When you fast, there's an expectation. The Pharisees were asking Jesus, Why don't your disciples fast? The Pharisees fast, the Sadducees fast, John's disciples fasted. Why don't Jesus, why don't you fast? And here's what he said Can you make the guests of the bridegroom, that's Jesus, fast while he's with them? They're not going to fast then, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And in they, those days, then they will fast. They're, There's an expectation in Scripture that we're going, we're going to carve out some time. We're going to push away from the table, not just to starve our bodies, but to press into God. We're going to take the meal time. We're going to take the time that we would use to prepare meals and eat meals and sit down to meals. And we're going to spend more time. Again, we're just making room for a move of God. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. Ezra fasted when he was on a journey to lead the the Israelites out of captivity back to Israel. Esther fasted for favor for three days. Daniel fasted. His whole whole thing was less of me, more of you, God. David fasted to receive healing for a sick child. The people of Nineveh fasted to, to reveal their repentance. Joel fasted for revival. Jesus fasted for preparation for ministry. The early church fasted for protection and power. We put resources on our webpage. There, there, we put, there's Daniel fast. There's full fast where you go maybe a day, two days, three days, ten days, whatever you decide, juice and water. And, and we spell it out, and we give, you, we give you books and sermons and things that you can listen to to inspire you, to, to help you. We even, on that, we have a kids resource where you can get with your kid and for 21 days, it's interactive where you can, together with your family, you can do some stuff on prayer and you can, I'm not, I'm not telling you to make your kids fast without food, that's all I'm saying, but they can make some room for Jesus where we're, where we're doing this together. Maybe over these 21 days, you want to make a commitment where you and your spouse are going to pray every day together, maybe get a devotion or something. We're just making room for, for more of God. Look at, the, look at the resources. We're going to have corporate prayer every morning, Monday through Friday, right here from 7 to 8. If you're able, I know not everybody's schedule, and, and I don't want to put any burden on you. That's not the point. But there's power in corporate prayer. And if there's any way you can make it, well, I'm not a morning person, so just come for a few days. Well, I, I, whatever, just come. I'm, I'm still believing there ought to be in a church of our size, 120 people that can come from seven to eight and go after God on the behalf of others for a move of God in our church and in our lives personally. Yeah. Seven to eight, Monday through Friday. I'm also encouraging you to do private devotions and private prayer, personal, where you're spending time with the Lord. I've, 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 uh, I've encouraged you with a resource called Killing Kryptonite. It's about destroying what steals your strength. There's 28 chapters. Read a chapter a day. Again, you're taking a meal. You're taking time. You're making room. Fill it with something spiritual. Fill it with with worship. Fill it with praise. Fill it with power. Let's not not miss out on what God wants to do in our lives because we're unwilling to set aside space or make room. We're going to meet on Wednesday nights. Tyler mentioned it. This Wednesday is a, is a worship time with four other churches, three other churches and us. Two that we have planted, another one that we had high influence and high involvement when they launched two years ago. And we're going to come together and worship the Lord. And we're inviting you to bring your kids kindergarten and up. That first Sunday will be in here. I want them to watch. I got a first, second, what do I have? A second grader? I want them to watch me worship and go after God. I want them, the next two Wednesday nights, we'll have ministry through second grade. And third and up will come in here. And it'll be revival type messages where we're just going, we're just going to get, we're going to open up the altars and we're going to spend time going going after Christ. Some, some of you don't even know what an altar is. And, and I don't want to say that the church was more, it wasn't. But back in my day, and I'm not that old, but I mean, we spent hours we spent hours on our knees and on our face in prayer. And, 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 and because there wasn't as, I don't think there was as much to do. I mean, you know, there was only one Dairy Queen in our little city and it closed at eight o'clock. So you might as well spend time in prayer. Nothing, at least my mom told me, nothing good on TV comes on after seven. So you couldn't go watch that. So we would just spend time basking in his presence. And I can't tell you the things that God has done for me and in me and through me around extended times in worship and prayer and seeking him and going after him. And some of, some of you, that's new to you. And, it's not, and I, I'm challenging you to, are you getting anything out of this? I hope you're here in my heart. I want us to go deeper this year. I want us to do more. I want us to reach more. I want us to experience more. I want you to sense more. I want you to be freer. I want you to be more content. I want you to be more satisfied. I want you to be whole in the name of the Lord. And, and if you've always done what you've always, what is that saying? You always do what you've always done. You'll always get what you always got. Is that it? Man, that was good right off the cuff. It's not even in my notes. Let's do something different. Let's go after God. One more story, and then we're going to pray. There, there, you remember in the Old Testament, the the Israelites wanted a king. God was opposed to it. He said, I want to be your king. But often God will, he'll, if if you, you pursued enough, you want to go your, again, he gave us a free will. He'll allow you to go down the road you want to go. And so they, they said, we want a king. And so he said, okay, I'll give you a king. And, and uh, the prophet Samuel chose Saul under God's direction. And and he was there to anoint Saul as king. He was there to anoint him for ministry. He was there to empower him and to equip him through the laying on of hands. For a ministry that would, that would touch the Israelites and eventually touch the world. And reveal to the world of a living and a powerful God. And Samuel goes to anoint Saul. And he's hiding in the luggage. He's hiding in the baggage for whatever reason. He doesn't want to come out. So, and, and this is how I compare that. Some of us are so caught up in the stuff. We're so pursuing of things. There's an anointing waiting for you. There's a power waiting for you. There's a ministry waiting for you. There, there's a grace waiting for you. There's a strength waiting for you. But you're not going to find it hiding in the stuff. You're not going to receive it when your life is so overcrowded that it chokes out the power of God's word over your life. You've got to cut out space. You've got to open the door. You've got to come out of the stuff so you can receive from God. There's a God in heaven that's crazy about you. And he wants to spend time with you. There's a God in heaven who has a plan and a purpose for your life and he wants to reveal it to you. There's a God who performed miracles while on this earth. And the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Maybe this season as you come out of the stuff and make room for his presence, he'll heal you and free you and restore you and change you. Here's my question. Are you gonna surrender to your stuff? Are you going to surrender to a Savior? Will you allow the pressure and the pace and the cares to distract you and choke out God's purpose and plan? Or will you come out of the stuff and be attentive to his voice and sensitive to his spirit and hungry for his presence? Will you make room for Jesus? Bow your heads and hearts with me, will you? You know what? Stand with me all over this place. Lord, I want to make room for you. Lord, I don't don't want to be caught up with the deceitfulness of wealth. I don't want the cares of this world to overpower me and overtake me, Lord. I don't want to pursue lesser things. God, in this season, I want to go after you. Uh, if if that if you want to join me over these next twenty-one days, will you just make that commitment to the Lord? Will you tell him, Lord, I'm gonna seek you, I'm gonna make room for you. I'm not going to say there's no room in the end. I'm not going to miss out on what God wants to do in my life. I'm going to push back. I'm going to press in. I'm going to go after you, Lord. And, and I, I'm, ex- I'm believing and expecting for you to reward us. Without faith, it's impossible to please you, God. But he who comes to you must believe that, that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Lord, we're going to diligently seek you and we're believing that you're going to reward us with more of your presence and more of your power more of your anointing in Jesus name I, I want to start this season out a prayer and I want to invite you even now to step out from where you're standing and make a fresh commitment to the Lord and, and declare his value by coming to the front and just just again it might be foreign to you and there I don't know if there's it's just an act of faith here's what it is it's An altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place of remembrance. As you step out, I don't know how many will come. I hope everybody will come. And we'll just press in and we'll sing a couple songs and and we'll worship God for a moment. And we'll just set set the pace right now. Well, it's Sunday morning. You can't do this. We're going to do it. We want to set the pace and set the environment and set our hearts. Get them right for what God wants to do over the next 21 days. How, how many would say, ah, Pastor, I want that. I need that. And, and you'd step out from where you're standing and come to the front and press in as close as you can. And when you get here, raise your hands and say, God, I'm hungry. Give me ears to hear. Give me a heart to receive. Lord, I pray I make room for you, Jesus. Lord, I, I say yes to your presence. I say yes to your anointing. I say yes to your grace, God. Lord, I pray you'd move in our hearts and our lives. You guys make room right there in this aisle so people can come and fill in right here. Just come and press in, will you? Break through the crowd. Jesus is big enough for all of us. He's an individual God. He's a corporate God. He can meet all our needs and he can do it at the exact same time. Lord, I pray you'd bless today. I pray you'd encourage today. I pray you'd strengthen today. Lord, I pray, come on, let's press in. Lift your voice to God. Lord, we need you Lord we bless you Lord we're hungry for you as the deer pants for the water so our soul longs for you God Lord you said if we'll hunger and thirst after righteousness we will be filled we go after you today we make room we say yes to you God we don't want to miss out on the eternal because we're going after the temporary God help us today we pray in Jesus name in Jesus name oh Lord